Hey everybody, it's Rob, National Fire Radio. Thank you for joining us this morning on The Gospel. I'm very excited to be here. got a special friend who I've met a couple years ago, Brian Franz from Sentinel Fire Apparatus or Sentinel Emergency Solutions out in Missouri. Uh, Brian, thank you for coming on the show today. I'm, I'm super excited about this. We've been talking about this project for a little bit now, so thank you. Yeah, yeah you better. I mean, absolutely, man. We have. We've been talking about it for a little bit, and uh, I'm excited to sit here and talk fire trucks for a little while. So for those of you who are out there, Brian and I met at uh, Revolutionary Fire Tactics at the Lake, the longest named fire conference in the history of fire conferences with uh, David Woodward down at Lake of the Ozarks. So if you're not there, you need to come out this uh, this July and check it out. It's a um, it's a great conference. So we got a lot of partnerships out there that are going to be there, and uh, we hope to see you. But um, Brian and I met there, uh, you know, a couple years ago, and Sentinel happened to be there with some some trucks, and we got to highlight some of them on National Fire Radio, and that's really where this relationship kind of began. But let's uh, let's start at the beginning, Brian. Let's kind of talk about how you got into the fire apparatus game. Like, you are not the typical fire apparatus salesperson, and you're certainly not the typical uh, you know president and owner of uh, an emergency vehicle dealership. So, you know, <laughs> when did you start this uh, this journey? Yeah, so, you know, I mean, down there at the bottom, my name's rolling across and it says owner slash president, but I'm really a fire truck guy. I mean, that's uh, that's where it all started. So my uh, my family, it's it's a family business. And uh, my dad, I'm going to mess this up when he watches this, but my dad answered an ad in a newspaper back in like 1987 to sell fire trucks for a company. Uh, so he did that. And then uh, in 1989, started uh, him and my mom started a company. Ran all the way up until uh, 2007, 2008, uh, had some stuff go down. And then Sentinel came around um, in 2014, actually. Well, I mean, our, our company continued in 2007, 2008. But then in 2014, uh, Sentinel, we actually merged with Towers Fire Apparatus over in Illinois. And that's how Sentinel came to be. So the original family company was called Battalion 3, uh, went for a long time. And then uh, in 2007, they sold it, uh, restarted Franco Fire Equipment, Franz Company. And then when we bought Towers, we changed it. We got rid of the Towers name and the Franco name and called it Sentinel. So kind of a neat background. My family's been in it for a while. Uh, I started, you know, I tell everybody, uh, young kids in sixth grade got to have a summer off. Well, I didn't. My dad would wake me up and uh, make me go to the office every day and clean the toilets and wash fire trucks and all that kind of stuff. So. I started turning wrenches, and uh, when I turned 18, sold my first fire truck my senior year of high school. And uh, actually, it's a great little two-door GMC top-mount pumper for $107,000 back in 2003. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing how the trucks have moved on. But that's that's kind of where I came from. I got a mechanical-type uh, background. I, I turned wrenches for a while and then realized after getting my hands dirty every day that uh, I should get into sales. So. That's kind of how I came about. Our company's cool. My uh, my older sister works here. Uh, my younger sister is a full-time firefighter, and then she does marketing for us part-time. My brother-in-law works here. My uh, father's still involved. My mother helps out on some stuff, and my wife works here as well. So um, we got a neat, neat family business, a neat family dynamic. That's awesome, man. 
Yeah, I, I, I thought that was interesting when you said that you sold your first fire truck in your senior year of high school and, and that, uh, that that GMC top mount pump is, yeah. uh, you know, I can yeah. picture that. <clears throat> I was that on the truck. road. Uh, I remember like it was yesterday, man. I was on the road fixing some trucks and a guy called and said, hey, uh, I want to buy a fire truck. I said, well, you got to talk to another guy. And he says, no, I'm going to talk to you. I said, okay, what do you want? He goes, well, I got a FEMA grant when they first came out. I got $107,000 and uh, I, we just became Rosemar dealers. I take that back. We were Rosemar dealers since 2001, but uh, I called up there and they said, yeah, we got a stock GMC chassis, blah, blah, blah. And I made it work. I, I walked in my father. I said, I think I just sold a fire truck. What, what the hell do I do now? <laughs> so, yeah. What a baptism by fire, so to speak. That's um, right, man. I couldn't even drive the truck home. I wasn't old enough to have a CDL yet. <laughs> So it's uh you know interesting thing there just like kind of hit on real quick you, you had a stock truck and I think a lot of people think fire apparatus and they're thinking custom built but I think stock options really do provide benefit to the customers like kind of hit on that real quick as we're uh, as we're diving in here like what's what is the benefit of the stock options for the uh, the apparatus? I Rob it, it's changing man I mean it's getting. Uh... It's not getting weird. The industry is changing with all the parts shortages taking place with the delivery stuff with all these factors taking place and not only the fire industry, but in the economy, stock trucks are becoming a big deal because guys, rather than waiting two years, they want to have a truck in a year. And, and it used to be whenever I, I mean, whenever I first got involved, now that was a stock truck back then, but we'd sell one stock truck a year out of 20 kind of thing. Well, now, People are saying, hey, we want to get a, a stock truck and we don't care what it is. We just need a truck and we want it within the next six months. They just don't want to wait. So right. I, I think the stock truck, I think the industry is going to flip a little bit. I, I think we're going to see departments that say, you know what? In the past, we've wanted a custom to the T exactly the way we want it. They're going to say, yeah, we'll sacrifice and we'll take this one at 85 percent, at least for the next couple of years. I, I truly believe that that's what's coming down the pipe. So but we're, we're in an no different boat compared to custom trucks though, because Rosenbauer stock trucks building those are just as hard to a certain extent, purely from a parts perspective. Yeah, it, it certainly changed the landscape. And I think one of the other things too, is that, uh, you know, a misconception people thought like a, Hey, uh, um, a stock truck, like you're going to have that GMC top kick, you know, uh, top mount pump or something like that. And it's going to be this commercial cab. It's not going to be a custom cab, but very much so there's a lot of manufacturers, Rosenbauer included that you're getting, some really nice features on that stock uh, chassis that's coming out. And it's a, you know, the, the public's not going to know whether that was a custom built or a, a stock unit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it used to, used to be 10, 15 years ago, stock trucks just seemed to be like cheap trucks, right? Right. The ones that didn't have any frills on them. You were lucky if you got a Q, you were lucky if you got decent stuff. And I think that part's changing. I think now, you know, there's still some base stock trucks that are that are value type trucks, but then there's others that are stock trucks with a lot of features. I mean, you see some some other manufacturers who are building some some really cool stock type trucks that people are just eating them up. So I I just think our industry it's going to change, and we've seen it a little bit. But got, departments are going to say, eh, rather than waiting two and a half years to get that compartment at 46 inches wide, screw it. I'll take the one that's already built that's already got a 42 inch wide compartment. And there's a little there's a little savings for the customer on engineering as well, because you don't have to worry about those issues coming into the, into the play of the budget. So it's a little bit of streamlining the process as well. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been really successful on one type of stock truck. 
Um, we actually sold four of them. I mean, just kind of back to back to back to back. And so Rosenbauer saw that. And so you're, you're spot on there because if we, we put 10 in the production schedule for 2022. So with those 10, I mean, by truck number eight, we got it down to a T on exactly how to build it. No engineering hours, all that stuff comes out of it. So there is, there's, there's savings there. There's normally savings. I should say times are just weird right now, man. I mean, it, it's just weird. 100%. So that's kind of, but like we're, you know, we, we talk about the stock trucks, but we, I want to, I want to start diving into really why I wanted you on this show is that like custom fire apparatus, Sentinel providing a Rosenbauer product. And you happen to, in my eyes are, are this rescue engine guru. Like I have seen some of the trucks that have come out of your dealership and they are fantastic. Uh, so like, let's kind of hit into like the rescue engine concept first off. And like, you know, like I said, you, Looking through the website, you, you seem to be producing or pumping out a lot of these apparatus. So, like, why the rescue engine, and and why is it becoming so popular in, in at least in uh, in the Midwest in Missouri? I was just gonna say, you know, I, I it's really somewhat a Midwest thing, is what it feels like. I mean, where you're at, do you, do you see many rescue engines, or are you still straight truck companies, engine companies, no, rescue? Engines? It's 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 we we have a rescue engine at work. We have a. We have a, like a, you know, I'd say a class A pumper that's like for structural firefighting. And then we have a rescue engine as well with all the extrication equipment. We take that as a, you know, for a call as a RIT team or a FAST team. Gotcha. So, um, you know, and it's, there's, in, in our area of the Hudson Valley, there's a, quite a few departments that have rescue engines. Gotcha. So, I mean, it's, so I'm, I'm located, I live here in St. Louis, the St. Louis area. So in the St. Louis city has two rescue squads. Um, and then there's two other true rescue companies here in the St. Louis metro area. So the rescue pumper, the, the rescue engine type deal has been around for a while with us. It's just guys are trying to make it even more than what it was before. Um, the days of being able to have a dedicated truck company or ladder company, a dedicated engine company and a dedicated squad or rescue company. I mean, around us, it's really a ton of manpower. I mean, even the volunteer departments that we have, um, you get outside of the Metro Missouri area and it's, it's volunteer. They're having trouble getting volunteers. I mean, it's just, uh, they, they don't get paid hardly anything if they get paid anything at all. So getting the manpower is difficult and they're trying to combine everything into one truck. I mean, we have a, a department North of St. Louis, um, it's Lincoln County, Missouri. They have one paid engine house right now. They're getting ready to go to a second engine house. But they had one truck that ran the entire county for as long as I could remember. And they would buy rescue pumpers and load them up with a thousand gallons of water, full height, full depth, calves, absolutely everything that they could get on it. Because that was the only truck basically in the county with, with a full-time staffed crew. And those same guys now are, they bought, um, well, they got one already in service that they just got. We ended up putting that IDEX SAM system on there from a manpower perspective. And then they bought a, uh, a truck that looks just like it, but it's a pumper tanker. It's 2,000 gallons of water, and it's going to have rescue tools and kind of the exact same setup, just with a ton of water. So it, it really runs a ton of manpower and what other stuff that they have around them, if that makes, if that makes sense. No, it, it, and so like paint the picture here, because if I, if I come to you as a customer and I want to get a rescue engine, there's a give and take in this, right? Like, And, and we were talking about this a little bit before, because the ladder rack is always a popular bully pup to beat up on right. or a punching bag there. Right. Um, right. but like how, how do you 
as a dealer, manage the give and take and the expectations that the customer has to expect coming into this? Because they're not going to get it. I don't want to say they're not going to get everything because they can always pay for everything. But like in reality, like they're not going to get the traditional like they may not have that low hose bed um, right. or, you know, they're so like what are the what are the things that you want to see the customer kind of be prepared for when they're talking about this? So I I, I try to take a different approach. I, I think a lot of sales guys just walk in and say, what do you want? I'll sell it to you. I mean, you just hit on a little bit ago, Rob. We, we can do anything with your money, right? That's just the reality of it. But I try to go in and say, tell me how you operate and what you want to do. Like, what, what are the objectives? Well, we run on the interstate all the time, or we're chasing the ambulance all the time, or we got fires all the time and we do nothing with, with the ambulance, or we got a ladder truck next door. Like, all these factors or what goes into play with it. So I, I try to be, you know, just, just try to help them with, they have these problems and how do we get them in the right truck? And so it does, it goes right down that road, right? So, um, so we have a department who says, well, we have three ladder companies all around us. Okay, so how do you guys operate? Well, on our box or on our first alarm, the pumper goes and these other three ladders are coming. Well, then getting full height, full depth compartments are key to carry all the equipment, right? The ladders don't matter in that aspect, and somebody's probably going to light me up on this, but the ladders don't matter even if they're on a ladder rack because right away they got a ladder truck coming right behind them. Well, they're going to pull the ladders off of that, and it's there within minutes, right? And, and their primary job is an engine, so as, as, long as, that, um, as long as the parade's in the right procession and that right. engine's there and that ladder truck's there, it don't matter. It be and, a non-issue. And the engine shows up right out of the gate. Well, they're pulling pre-connects and going. Right. Mm -hmm. So now the ladder shows up. They got time to ladder the building or, or get the aerial up, whatever needs to be. And then that third truck's hitting the plug. So when you take all those factors into play, then they can truly take what may be that rescue pumper. Lincoln County, I'll go back to these guys. They got a rescue pumper, thousand gallons of water, full height, full depth, all that equipment. That truck's going to be there first. And then they got an aerial that runs as well. Well, that's going to get hit with a volunteer and or a paid guy coming in. So that truck's going to show up second. And then the third truck could be this 2,000 gallons of water. But at Lincoln, they're going to run vehicle accidents left and right. They're going to run dumpster fires like crazy. So having a, an easy pre-connect or a booster reel or whatever you may want to use, those things all matter. They, got, they run some trench rescue. I mean, just it's not just an engine going out, and they don't have the manpower to have an engine, a rescue, and a ladder, and a mini pumper all sitting there. I sure as hell wish they did because they'd buy a ton of fire trucks from me then. But right. At the end of the day, you only got the manpower to get a certain truck out the door. So it, it does. It, the, the hose bed, the ladders, all of those factors, everybody wants a low hose bed. Everybody wants the ladders low. Everybody wants those features. But if you're, if you're running medical stuff all the time, if you're running vehicle accidents all the time, you're running BS stuff all the time, right? Then, then maybe it's not as big of a deal. We're going to try to share the screen here, so we'll see how this works out. Because we haven't ever done this before with National Fire Radio with the uh, with the app here, but we're we're talking about Lincoln County, and I got this here. We'll see if we can pop it up. Let's see what happens. Maybe, maybe sort of, kinda. Are you seeing the uh, the, the truck on your screen, or I don't have it on mine. Negative. Okay. All right. Maybe not, huh? It's on, uh, as you're playing with that, it's on 
Sentinel's website, uh, Rosenbauer always posts some, but they're when they're leaving the factory and on uh, sentineles.com, we always put new deliveries and then we try to put them right whenever they're going into the service. So it shows all the shelving and equipment and all that kind of stuff. Well, we gave it a shot, but um, so like really like kind of as, as we're talking, I'll just pull that up anyhow so I can see it. So like Lincoln, Lincoln County, you said this, you know, you're, you're looking at this engine. There's a, there's a couple of different things with this that we have to uh, to consider on, right? So like, first off, what, what's what's the base? This is it's, it's Rosenbauer, uh, and what's the what's the make and model here? So that would be our uh, so it's a Commander cab. It's a 78 inch long, which is the longest one that we make. It's got an 18 inch raised roof, and that that design is what we consider a crossfire. So it's a rear mount pumper body. So it's all one big piece within a midship pump. Now, the other thing that makes that one neat is, uh, like I was saying earlier, it's got the IDEX SAM system, on which uh, we've done quite a few of those. And the IDEX system, uh, again, when it comes to manpower, it just fit perfectly in with Lincoln's because they'll have three guys on a, on a truck or three firefighters on a truck. They're running the entire county. So they're running fire, EMS call, uh, car accident, fire, fire kind of thing. So with that SAM system, it allows the driver to do more than just, just stand up there. Everybody loves a top mount pump panel. I love a top mount pump panel because you can see everything, but everybody hates a top mount pump panel at the same time because it adds length, it adds wheelbase, and you lose compartment space by the time you do all the weight and balance stuff. So that IDEX system, we put on Lincoln, we put on all four of their trucks. That's the first one we delivered. They got three more coming. Uh, they got a pump panel on the driver's side, pump panel on the officer's side. So they got a huge compartment on R1 because of that SAM system. And then they also have a tablet that the driver can use as well. And I noticed one of the things about the, and I, I, I like this, is the ladder rack on the Lincoln County truck is on the uh, driver's side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Which, so that one, so Lincoln, they had a rear mount pump. And uh, they, they, well, they started with the top mounts the first night sold, and then they did a rear mount pump. That was the next one they bought. And then they got these coming. So they like the rear mount. And the reason we did the ladders on the driver's side, again, it's all about dynamic. There, there can never be in this country, in this state, a universal fire truck that everybody gets. I mean, it just never happened. So at Lincoln County, they said, Brian, we don't like our ladder rack on the passenger side because we run a lot of two-lane road operations. So every time we put the ladder rack down, we're in the ditch. And it sucks. So this way, they can put the ladder rack down on the street side, pull the ladders, and if they need to reopen the road, if they want to do that, they can put it back up. So we, while everybody may think, well, the pump panel's on the driver's side, so you don't want it over there. Well, really, on Lincoln's, the pump panel's on the driver's side, the passenger's side, and a tablet that'll run it as well. And I, I noticed, too, all the pull-out compartments, like, very well laid out. Who who does all the? I mean, I, I assume the customer drives some of this, but like the the, the pullout boards, stuff like that. Like who's because this is all like utilization of space here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so that that part's changing too. Ten years ago, twelve years ago, you'd go, you'd sit with the fire department, you'd look at uh, whatever trucks they got in the bay, and they'd say, hey, put two shelves in this compartment and a slide out tray, right? And in the back, put a slide out tray for our rescue tools and a shelf for the ramp. Right? That's like, it was just the standard mentality where now, and I'll, I'll give some props, Fire Marine, they deserve props on this because those guys in Ohio really are doing a great job. They took a, a need and expanded on it and really got into the customization for fire departments. So if you haven't seen Fire Marine on their Facebook page, I think Amdor 
is a part of them or owns them now, but those guys are doing a great job. And here at Sentinel at our facility, we can do the exact same thing. So the Lincoln County truck that people can't see, but when you get a chance, go on and check it out. That Lincoln County truck, Lincoln ordered all their equipment. We ordered the truck with no shelving, no trays, nothing in it. Absolutely nothing. Truck came here to St. Louis and they, uh, they want, I, I want to say eighty, ninety thousand dollars per truck ordered everything all new, brought it here. And, uh, and our shop sat with them, spent a couple days and went through every compartment and outfitted every single piece of it to utilize every little bit of space. I mean, it, it drives me crazy. It shouldn't because at the end of the day, as long as the customer is happy, that's all that matters. But it drives me crazy whenever we, we spend seven, eight hundred thousand dollars on a on a rescue pumper and then it's just got two shelves in it. Right. And they get it and they throw some some salvage tarps and a tray and and that's it. So there's a ton more opportunity there when you spend the money, spend that extra money. It's it's not, you know, twenty five hundred bucks. It's fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. But at the end of the day, you're utilizing every single piece of, of space that's inside of there. And I tell everybody, save yourself some room. You, you never go to FDIC and don't buy anything. You always find something new that you want. So save yourself some room so that way you can continually add to it. We've had some trucks that come back here two years down the road and say, hey, we bought all this stuff. We need to redo these compartments. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, and yeah, the shelving has always been interesting in the compartments because like, once you have that, you have it forever and you never... Yeah. You can never easily get rid of it. Um, I'm looking at the back of Lincoln's truck as well. And one of the things that I, and I don't know if this was just because I didn't put something up there, but there's the um, the, the ladder up to the, the top. So we're going to have some coffin compartments up there for some additional stuff. And it looks like there's just an empty hose bed, but it actually looks like it's purposely done so they can access all the stuff that's on top of there. Yeah, so... Lincoln was, I mean, it was kind of an interesting story. I've, I've known those guys for a long time, but uh, I may screw up how this conversation went. But what, like we were talking one day and they got five inch hose to carry a thousand feet of five inch. I go, okay, what else? Well, we carry 700 feet of three inch and we carry uh, 250 or 300 feet of two and a half as like a blitz fire pre-connect. Okay, well, how often do you pull the three inch? Never. We always pull the five inch. Okay, what do you carry it for? Uh, I don't know. Do we, we probably, we, do we have to have it? Well, then not really right. ISO, depending on how all that stuff goes, but thousand feet of five inch will do it. And then the two and a half was the, the same thing. Well, we never pull this one. We we'd rather have just a two and a half inch speed lay that we can have a blitz fire sitting on or a nozzle, some kind of quick attack out of that world. So that walkway was uh, we should try this to see how it works out. Coffin compartments are awesome, but coffin compartments are a pain as well. Right? because you it's a ton of storage but you put stuff up there that you try to never use and the stuff you never use is probably heavy so then it's kind of a pain where i mean lincoln's is awesome and re-racking that five inch i i was here one night with them and we racked five inch and reloading it was a lot easier standing in the walkway rather than standing on each lay and kind of building yourself up so it it was purposely designed and i i think it'll be interesting to see if lincoln ever goes back to rescue pumpers without some kind of walkway in it. It'd be interesting to see if they miss the three inch dead load. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I also like the fact that the rear compartment, especially for those who are audio only, there's a booster reel in the back and also like the, the customization of getting the cribbing back there. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was another one. We put that booster back there just so we didn't have to have it up top because you can never see how it rewinds. And then it all coils on one side of the drum and it just becomes a pain when you can't see the booster. 
so we put it back there and uh, when the truck showed up everybody was kind of nervous because we thought oh man what the hell are we going to put underneath of it and then uh here in our shop our techs they they designed that cribbing rack worked out perfect who cares if the cribbing gets wet wet from the booster right it, it doesn't matter there's i think there's a direct tank fill back there too right rob i think underneath yep. it there yeah i see so yeah who cares if those items get wet right you're not putting a fan or rescue tools or anything like that who, who cares it worked out really well and then on the officer side um for everybody especially those who are listening there's a on the in the rear compartment after this here you have your rescue tools and it really starts getting into the extrication you have uh it looks like your rescue jacks are in the back there and you have your battery operated hearse tools that are on a lazy susan that come out as so your your um plus all the airbags and and the accoutrement for all of that stuff all right there and really the rescue pumper world i mean it, it's truly changed as the battery world has changed we are hearse jaws of life dealers here at sentinel um we do uh super vac fans and ram fans and all that kind of stuff too we I don't, I don't even know the last time that we sold a true set of hydraulic rescue tools, right? In the past, rescue pumpers were a lot harder when you had to get two 100-foot reels. You had to have all the tools, right? You had to have a power unit, all those pieces. So the the old saying of cramming, you know, 20 pounds of crap into a five-pound bucket, it, it got easier by doing battery-operated rescue tools, battery-operated um, uh, fans, and then all of your DeWalter Milwaukee stuff. You know all that kind of stuff hell we just saw at fdic uh super vac command light came out with that uh tripod light that's battery operated you can put a frc spectra or a fire tech uh light on it like better than just a lowe's milwaukee light so the battery world changed everything as well on the rescue pumper side just it just changed everything 100 yeah the uh the the technology and where it was to where it has come to now and where it's going is insane i mean even with the batteries i know some people would would might not like to hear it but even what rosenbauer has come out with now as far as that electric fire engine um that got was at the show and got delivered to los angeles i mean the, the concept fire truck is now a reality and it's 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 going to be a game changer for the american fire service yeah and totally different right i mean the one that we unveiled is uh it's not your traditional type fire truck it's totally different now there's naysayers against that who are all about tradition, right? Which makes sense. But then there's the ones who look at features versus benefits versus tradition and say, well, this thing's, this thing's amazing. I mean, the, the rear steer, that, that truck, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves because it's small, it's compact, but to a certain extent, it's, it's already a rescue pumper. I mean, the storage that's on it and the capabilities it can do, it, it carries a lot of that. A lot of that equipment already. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, 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 when I think it was Todd, Todd McBride said like they, they said like, hey, do you have more equipment? Because we've, we've got it on here. And it all made sense. Like that was the eye-opening moment for me. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. This is yeah, always something. Right. It's always something. The, the rescue pumpers, I, I think we do, I would say, 90% of our trucks are rescue pumpers. Um, you know, the bigger cities to a certain extent still do it. Um, but you know, at Jefferson city, Missouri, they run some engines, but then their rescue engines are the exact same truck, just a little bit longer with some more stuff on them. Now they did rear mount pumps to maximize storage space. Those trucks are 
probably three or four years old. Cape Girardeau, another big city around here, they did three engines and then one rescue engine with more stuff on it. So there's the rescue, the true rescue companies. I delivered one to Monarch, Missouri uh, last year, I guess. And that's one, Cape Girardeau did one a couple of years before that, but you just, you just aren't doing many straight, true rescue trucks like you, like, like we were to a certain extent. Now you bring up the rear mount pump and I know in a, for us in the Northeast, we don't see many rear mount pumps. What's the, what's the advantage for the customer when they're designing a rescue engine, they're going to, they're going to consider this rear mount, you know, pump, but like why, why the rear mount and what does it do for you from a standpoint of compartment space and making the operation a little bit smoother? Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's talk rear mount pumps, Rob. I'm a rear mount pump guy. That's, that's one of my favorite trucks to talk about. So it, it just changes stuff around. It, it truly does. And I wish I, I had some pictures on here to show you, but if you, if you think of a standard side mount or a standard top mount, right, you got the cab and then you got the body or the pump house, and then you got the body. And so it's three different pieces. Well, weight and balance plays a huge role to that, right? Because you got to get the water tank to balance in order to put enough water on the front axle. So from a pure truck building perspective, now on a rear mount, you got a cab and you got a body. So we can shift the water tank all the way forward. So not only philosophically do things change, but operationally it does too. Because with the water in the front, it handles different. The compartments can now be full depth because the tank can be longer. You don't have to tee the tank. There's a lot of those factors that go into play with it on a rear mount. Um, the wheelbase can shorten, so your maneuverability changes. I mean, all those pieces go into play. And the guys who, uh, Jefferson City, I mean, they're, they're a great one to talk about this. They had all side mounts for a long time, um, and they ended up going rear mounts. I haven't talked to them in a while. There may be comments that show up on this, something different. But as far as I know, they love the rear mount pump side purely because they run with two ladder companies. They have a 109-foot straight ladder and a platform. And so it allows the operator, right? You always tell people, pull past the fire if you're in the engine. Pull past the fire to give room for the aerial. So on a rear mount pump, you want to pull past the fire. So that way that pump operator is at the back of the truck and they can see everything. So now you're relaying on a 25-foot roll to the uh, aerial that's 15 feet away from you kind of thing because it's right there. So you're seeing everything. You're at the back of the truck. So now you're kind of a utility guy where you can do everything. On a side mount, it's great. But if you're standing on the side mount, you got all the discharges and the intake coming right at you between your legs, all that kind of stuff. There's no, I mean, let's just clarify, the pump is on the driver's side or the passenger side, rear of the truck. It's not on the true back of the truck. So you just don't have anything around you. So I, right. I talk about rear mount pumps. We build top mounts, we build side mounts, we build compact pump mounts. We build a top mount side mount called our safe scene, which is really cool. But I ask people, you know, what are you trying to do? And, and, what are you wanting to accomplish? And whenever they tell me, hey, we run with an aerial, then we start talking about rear mounts and uh, and the philosophy just kind of, it just kind of rolls with it. It's something different that most people are scared of, but once they use it, there's most of the time there's no going back. Now I know as we are talking about this, this, this rear mount pump, they're like on the internet, Phones are starting to go off, and like I call it, the white wave of safety officers is coming forward because they're gonna yeah. they're gonna sit there and they're kicking and screaming. You're gonna get hit on the road, and like, I mean, we could get hit anywhere. I, I when it comes to highway operations and and or operations on a roadway and being out of traffic, the only option to me that is that either that side side mount like or the top mount on the side or a top mount pump to get yeah. that pump operator. But we still have to operate in the road anyway because 
that's where the vehicle is, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a department. I, I had one, so we had this conversation, and then one guy says, "We can't have this for safety." I said, "Well, tell me how you run. What What do you do?" Well, we're on the interstate all the time. I go, "Okay. What do you have now? We got a side mount, okay, on the driver's side. All right." I said, "So what do you do?" So. When you have an accident on the interstate, you get on the interstate and you run all the way up the fast lane, right? To veer to the right. He goes, well, we tried to, but we can never get that. We end up always running up the shoulder. I said, so then you're veering to the left. Well, yeah. I go, well, now the pump operator's really screwed because he's in the middle of the truck and has nowhere to go, nowhere to run. So that it got him, got him thinking that same department then ended up buying a rear mount pump and we talked philosophy. They ended up buying, I think it was four of them, four rear mounts. And they run up the shoulder and when they veer left the pump panel we put on the officer's side at the back of the truck so now he's truly protected and he can see everything i mean if you got a semi barreling down at you at 50 miles an hour you don't have enough time whether you're at the back of the truck or 12 feet further in the middle to react at least at the back maybe you can run across the back forward something when you're in the side you're just you're just dead in the middle and even a top mount, I agree with you. The best, the best solution on the interstate is a top mount. But boy, if I get hit 50 miles an hour and rear-ended, and I'm standing on the top, you're going I, for a I mean, ride. You're, yeah, I'm going to have some whiplash. I'm going to have some issues. I mean, I'm not going to be fully protected by any means. So there are give and takes, and it's again, it's purely operational. That same department, we had another one, Boone County, Missouri, which is one of the largest fire districts in Missouri. Uh, they buy all all rear mount pumps from us. They put theirs on the driver's side. Because Boone County said, we do a lot of rural stuff. We do a lot of two-lane road operations. Decent amount of interstate, but a lot of two-lane road. We want our pump operator on the street side, just like Lincoln County wanted that ladder act. We don't want the pump operator in the ditch on the passenger side. We want them street side, so they're on the driver's side, rear pump panel, full depth compartments, rear mount pump all the way around. And then they draft a bunch. So that way they pull up straight into a, a, a whatever, trailer fire, whatever it may be. They got one lane road operations because now the fold the tank is right behind them. The pump operator off the rear mount, he sees the fold the tank so he can guide the tanker back straight in. Tankers are one lane road operation all the way. You don't have on a gravel road, a giant area to set the fold the tank off the side. Right. So again, yeah. From my perspective, Rosemary, there's no right, wrong, or there's no right answer or wrong answer, but there's just thinking outside the box and how do you truly operate and how can, how can we as Rosenbauer or Sentinel or any manufacturer make your life any easier? Because there's ways. Now, one of the other things that's really popular with rescue engines is that front bumper. And I know that when we were when we were in, in at Revolutionary Fire Texas at the lake, we we had the truck from NBC and yep. like it just had an aggressive front bumper. Like they could have they had so many options to do with that bumper. I don't know what they ended up choosing, but like Let's talk about the front bumper first in the Rosenbauer product, then on rescue engines, period, because I think it's a, it, it's just, it's it's something where it's becoming a catch-all, but like it has to be thought out. You can't just start throwing hydraulic tools up there and then a hose or a reel of a, for, you know, cord or lights or whatever, you know, a kitchen sink. Like it's, it's gotta be, there's gotta be a plan to this, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, um, you know, everybody, everybody thought well, you just get a an 18 or a 24 inch bumper extension like that's just normal on a truck, which which it isn't. But at the same time, you see so many gigantic bumpers out there with just a trash line in the middle. Right. So it, right. to me, it's a underutilization of space to a certain extent. You can do so much more with it if you just plan it out. Now, again, it's 
it's all based on your terrain though. Um, Lincoln County is a great example on their first and second truck that they got for us. We had rescue tools and everything, reels, all that stuff in the front bumper. And on this truck, they have no trash line, no front bumper. I think it's only like an eight inch extension to get the uh, cue and the air horns in there because they were bottoming out the bumper all the time. Their terrain, they were just destroying the bumper. So they took everything out. But city-wise, or if you're in, a, in an area that can afford it, if you're able to pull the rescue tools out of a compartment, um, Fenton, Missouri has a 109-foot aerial that they're, they're just getting from us. We're putting a cutter, a spreader. They couldn't get the ram up there, but cutter, spreader, battery tools. It's got a trash line up there, and I think a compartment for something else all in the front bumper. And if you think about just the rescue tools alone, if you've got a cutter and a spreader, a trash line, and maybe a ram in the other side hose well and some ram pieces, that takes a ton of room out of whatever compartment, L1, L3, the rear center, whatever that may be. So they, I mean, to truly utilize and make it a rescue pumper, if your terrain allows for it, the best thing to do is to take that bumper and put something up there for sure. And I know, um, so recently, you know, for, for myself, my department has purchased the ladder truck uh, and we were out at Rosenbauer. We talk about the rescue engines you know, we're, we're hitting on the extrication. We, we hit a little bit about, you know, the fireside pre-connects and, and, and hose lays, but also like rope rescue. I, I, there was some great stuff that I saw out at the factory with hitches. Like, you know, people are putting a, a, either a, a hitch on the, like a trailer hitch attachment, either on the bottom was always, you know, for uh, not a hard point, but a, a, a tie yeah, off. Yeah, like and stuff, yeah. And but and then we see the um, the ones up on the top, and now we're actually putting one up on on the top of the roof and tying it into the frame of the of the body for extra strength because tech tech rescue stuff like that, like anchor points, is what I was looking for. Yeah, I'll get you. <laughs> yeah. yep. I'm a little exactly. a little tired from last night's shift at the firehouse, uh, but yep. the anchor points, like there's so many options with anchor points, and it's something that can be thrown into the mix very easily on on a rescue engine now, and the the amount of the, the amount of uh, weight that they can actually hold has just, it's like the battery technology has been increasing as we've figured out the engineering. Can you kind of hit on that a little bit as well? So I want you to know that you said it's uh, very easy on the anchor points up top. I think I could speak for all of us manufacturers when we say it, it's very difficult and drives us crazy. But again, whatever the customer wants, we're totally <laughs> game for it, right? Whatever you guys want, it, it's just difficult because of the way that they have to be, they have to be structurally tested no different than one underneath, but we, we do, we're seeing a, a ton of uh, anchor points and receivers that are tied to the frame, whether it's behind the rear wheels out each side and one straight out the back of the truck or some sometimes in front of the rear wheels, that kind of stuff. Um, up top, you're spot on there on a rescue pump or rescue engine. By the time they set up a tripod for some trench rescue stuff, that's why everybody wants one up top, right? One in front of the wheels, one behind, one up top, set the tripod for uh, sewer laterals, stuff like that. Um, but on rescue pumpers, you just got to tie the pieces together. But they're they're there all the way. We we you were talking about aerials a little bit ago. We've delivered two aerials, and I've never done this before. But uh, we've delivered two in the past couple of years that are uh, one's a hundred foot platform, and one is a one hundred nine straight ladder that have coffin compartments on an aerial, and they they turned out awesome. And guys wanted to store. It's not for the Stokes basket because that's on the side of the base section. It's not for a roof ladder because that's on the other side of the base section. It's for uh, rope rescue stuff and all of those things that are just usable, light that you can throw off, but they take up room. And so right. when you couple in 
those pieces and you couple in battery tools and battery fans, now you're taking an aerial that used to be an aerial, right? Strictly, and they maybe you jump company, maybe you don't. And and we're seeing a lot of departments who now have a, a, a an aerial with 500 gallons of water. It's a 109 footer and all the rescue capabilities. Now you got a, a freaking rescue pumper aerial that the people are running on. And it's not, it may not be ideal for the customer. That's not the manpower they want to have, but it's the manpower they do have. So they have to make it work for them. And it's good to have the options to do that. You, yeah, you're spot on. It, it's all manpower driven, really. A lot of that is manpower driven. Everybody would love to have a dedicated engine company, a dedicated truck company, a, a chief's buggy and a, and a rescue running in the county or whatever it may be. But it, it's just not the way it is. I mean, it's just in, in our terrain, in the Midwest, right. it's just not that that availability and, and even the volunteer world, it's just not there. So I, I think one, the only thing, there's there's two other uh, things that I wanted to kind of hit on with you with the rescue engine concept, because I think it's one, I don't want to say you need it, but the deck gun on the top, right? Like yeah. you have this rescue engine, you're going to have, like it's not going to be like the traditional pumper where we can either like quick shimmy up there and point the deck gun. So you're going to have to get a remote product most likely like what are your what are you seeing that the customers are really excited about currently is it like a tft monitor is it something from akron is it something for elkhart or is it kind of all three of them are are in the mix and is there like how how, how does that all kind of fit into the, the design of the rescue engine so you're you're spot on right because everybody you, the on a side mount rescue pumper the monitor's right above so you're right you can't just mm -hmm. shimmy up there and you can't put a manual valve up top to open and close it like everybody wants to do. So we see a bunch of um, industry-wise, like the the exciting one is the uh, TFT Monsoon 1250 with an extended gun. So you press the button, extended gun goes up, and then the TFT is all remote control. Um, or the Akron Deckmaster. That's the one that uh, kind of flips over on itself, press a button, and it goes up. And then they have indicators showing on the, on the remote controls of where the thing is pointing. So we're seeing on almost every rescue pumper to that ex to that extent, they're spending the extra money and either going all electronic remote controlled deck gun or no monitor at all. And it's, mm. again, it's a, it's a thing that, you know, you'd ask people, do you, do you want to monitor? Well, yeah, doesn't it come with one? Well, it, it doesn't have to, right? You don't have to have a deck gun. And then you kind of talk to departments, well, how often do you use the deck gun? Do you do a blitz attack where, when the officer and the backstep are getting dressed, you know, the driver can hop up there and hit it. Or what do you do? Well, no, we just go to the school and wet the kids down during the summer twice a year. Right. Well, then do you really need to spend the five thousand or ten thousand dollars on a monitor? And then some some people just don't do it. I mean, we've we've seen more action in the um, uh, the Blitzfire, the little Akron Mercury or or some of those where they're pre-connecting them to three inch, 250 feet. And, and they're using pre-connected blitz blitz monitors more than than a deck gun yeah well and it's it's uh i always think too like you know you're if, if you're running with a truck and you're pulling past the building you know like and the, the rule for us where where i am is i always say a, a structure and a half pass right well, yeah. one building and then a half just because if you have a mid-mount you want that extra scrub area so that they, they have the you know the front of the uh, uh, the front of the address is what we want to open up for them but now that deck gun is a building and a half past the fire building right. so it's like the the you know whether it's the akron the tft or even the elkhart brass i think yep. have the ram right like these right. are all lightweight portable monitors that can be deployed relatively quickly and then hit it 
and you know go to work so one of the one of the first rear mount pumps i ever sold department's going from a side mount they wanted a rear mount so we put the two inches three quarters to two and a half all the free connects up at the front of the body and the monitors up at the front because that's what they were used to with their midship so they go to replace it 10 years later and i said well what don't you like about this truck they said we hate the deck gun and the free connects really yeah we hate it because we get so used to pulling past the fire it's exactly what you just said now the pre-connects and everything are forever further forward and they're completely useless. So on their second truck, they kept the rear mount pump, but we put the monitor at the very back of the truck. Hmm. So they shimmy up the back, the monitor's sitting right there, and then their pre-connects are in the rear bumper. So everything came out the back of the truck, everything, right. for that exact reason. Because it doesn't have to be in the middle. Doesn't have to be, no. No, and, and again, it, it's, it's not my job or any truck sales guy to tell you what you need. It's, it's the customer's job to say, hey, here are the problems that we have. And then let us say, okay, well, here's some other options that are, that are available to you. I mean, you, there's, there's a ton of great manufacturers out there and a ton of them who build great trucks that they, they, there's a variety of stuff that you can buy. It's just a matter of you telling us. Don't, don't just think that this is the way it is. We can get you anything that uh, we can build you anything. Again, I know it sounds very salesman-ish, and I don't mean it to, but we'll do anything with your money. Right. And just, uh, I think the the expectation is to understand that there could be a, a cost not associated to money with that. Like you could, it's always a give and take, right? And yeah, I think uh, Dave Dave Mangus, I, I consulted with him a lot from he's from uh, Empire, um, uh, and when we were building the truck, because he's he's had a couple great trucks come out, and he's he it was one thing he cautioned me on when I was asking him some crazy ideas, and he said, "Listen, stick, I'm not saying stick strictly to the blueprint, but don't." don't stray too far off the reservation with this because you do know that this is a solid thing that works and like understand that give and take, like you talk about, you know, yeah. for myself building the truck, even with all the exposure that I've had from national fire radio. So it was, you know, it's uh, it's always one thing to remember. I, I think well, the last, Oh, Rob, you're spot on here. You're spot on because so many people think, well, I don't want a, a rear mount pump or I don't want to move the deck gun. We don't care where you put the pump, right? It, it you're buying a 1500 GPM waters or hail pump or a darling. It doesn't matter if it's in the middle or at the back. Your expense is whenever you get a bigger body and you have more shelving and more compartment space, right? We don't care if the deck gun's at the front. That, we, you're buying the deck gun, whether we plummet to the back on the rear mount or to the front. There's, there's a lot of things I think people get caught up and think, well, I don't have the money for it, but it may not cost them a nickel at all. It may just be the placement. Um, the, the last part that I think I wanted to touch on because uh, we've going for like about 45 minutes now. Jesus, already had um, <laughs> let's talk about the cabs. Like, you know, um, I know Rosenbauer has a lot of cabs, but like the rescue engine, especially with the multiple roles that it's going to play, like how does the cab lay out? Like what, what are some of the things that are strong that you like to see in the cab? Or, well, I, let me rephrase that. Not so much what you like to see, but it's worked out positive for the customers as far as a cab layout goes like you know well we've seen um maybe and hey chime back here i mean I, the the clean cab initiative that that seemed hot and heavy and took off hard we did a couple but it it seems that that is dying off is probably the wrong way to, to term it but it, it's not as big of a deal anymore i think guys are maybe getting a couple sets of turnout gear and not carrying dirty gear in the cab and that kind of stuff so the cab layouts, again, they've changed over the past couple of years. What we see a ton on rescue pumpers is 
EMS uh, equipment inside the cab. Um, they're putting rope rescue stuff, some of that, some of that cleaner stuff into the cab. Um, here in the St. Louis metro area, uh, even the Chicago and the Indianapolis metro area, we're seeing more bulletproof vests, stuff like that in the cab. Um, doesn't make much sense to get a bulletproof vest and put it in an outside compartment that you got to get right. out of the truck to get, right? Doesn't make any mm -hmm. sense. So we're seeing more room of, of clean stuff and things that, that, that are readily accessible right then and there. Rosenbauer makes a 78-inch cab, and some of the other big guys make these really long cabs that when you get inside the truck, you don't need it, but it buys you a huge compartment on the outside from the back of the cab to where the rear crew door starts. And so we do a ton of those big cabs, and they're utilizing those back cab doors for dirty gear, for helmets, for some of those type of things. That way they got clean gear inside, dirty gear outside, or EMS stuff on the outside of the truck. There's there's these waves that take place of not wanting all the EMS gear in the center where the back steps got to carry it out. and It's heavy as right. hell. So that way it's on the outside of the truck, but yet still in a clean area where it's not going to get destroyed. I've always thought of that middle compartment that people like to sell the EMS equipment to be in. But then you either staff down because maybe you're running, you know, dual staffing on an ambulance and the engine. And that yeah. ambulance crews out now you're running first response on the engine and you're doing that twist up and in and then pulling out and exactly that's never made sense you know when i see it um but you it never know, made sense to me that the trucks that have two or three forward facing seats but they're a small cab <clears throat> and then you got guys all bunched up shoulder to shoulder all over the place so that's the other thing worst we see is uh it, a lot of them are a five-man cab we, we see a couple sixes but four to five man cabs and then they're doing like three forward facing seats. It seems like now most people want to ride forward, especially the, the younger generation. Nobody wants to ride backwards necessarily. So we see a lot of three forward facing seats and they spread them out to give you some more area. And then behind the driver, we're putting a gear compartment so the driver can put all his gear. And then on the up behind the officer, whether it's a refrigerator, uh, some kind of refrigerator cooler or officer gear back in there. Yeah. Well, Brian, thanks for like kind of just giving us this glimpse into the world of rescue engines. I mean, I, I think there's probably a million rabbit holes that we can dive headfirst into with this, but we covered a lot of ground. Is there um, anything that you have coming up or anything that we missed that you want to talk about, promote, or anything we at get, all? We got some some pretty neat ones coming in. If, uh, if, if you're looking at that rescue engine perspective, you can go to Sentinel's website, like I was saying. We've done some videos. Uh, if you haven't joined our our YouTube, I walk around a couple of trucks. We're, we're really trying just to show people all the options that are out there. We're doing some Rosenbauer quick hits on different things that you can get with your Rosenbauer truck, if that's the way you're leaning. Um, so there's a lot out there. Hell, I'd love the chance to come back on, Rob, and do a, uh, maybe have a truck behind me and just talk about that exact truck and kind of how it's laid out. We got another Lincoln truck coming. Maybe we do another one of these and just show everybody all those, all those. Maybe pieces. we fly out to St. Louis and you can pick me up at the airport and we'll, uh, We'll, we'll spend a weekend uh, going going over. I mean, that would like I said, it, it, possibilities are endless. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's it's awesome to see them in person. I mean, it it just changes everything. It's one thing for us talking about, but it changes everything when you physically see it. Yeah, one hundred percent. And especially, I think, not only seeing them, but if you can get into some of the fire stations and see firehouses, excuse me, and see how the rigs are operating and see because I think that's like when we talk about the rear mount pump. 
the nice thing that I liked about the conversation is you're finding out how the customer is operating because if they are, like you said, going up that, that right-hand shoulder and then they're turning left, well, then why not go with the rear mount and put it on the officer's side? You know, it's just it's one of those versus the, the rural department who's got to have that one lane open. So street side's a better option for them. It's just a... Uh, and it really is, it, it's that fireman who's, you know, he's, he's been a fireman for 20 years or he's a captain, whatever it may be. And that's the way the trucks have always been at that department, right? It's, it's again, it's not right or wrong. It's just, well, this is the way we've always had and this is what we're used to. And whenever you just poach that, hey, how do you operate? I, I try to be that. I try to be a consultant more than anything and, and let people talk themselves into the way that they may want something, not me. I I hate selling stuff. Nobody wants to be a salesman. Nobody wants to feel like they're being sold something. Everybody wants to buy something. When you go buy a car, you and your family want to buy the car. You don't want the sales guy breathing down your neck on stuff. So there's options out there. Check out all the all the different stuff that may work better. And and I think one last thing too. I just wanted to uh, you know I, I keep saying one last thing. I'm like that uh, <laughs> politician getting one last word in. But uh, how important is service? Because you know. I've seen a lot of fire trucks across the nation and like service contracts, understanding the service that you're going to get from the dealership. Like how does this play into just the apparatus game in general? Rob, if a salesman walks into your fire department and says, you don't need service because our trucks are perfect, throw his ass out on the street right away. Right. There is no such thing as this. And, uh, you know, people, I'm sure I'll get blown up on this, but there, everything's going to break in some way, shape or form. And, uh, and, and here at Sentinel, we're trying to do some things. We're trying to set up mobile technicians to be able to go out. Um, we're trying to set up some pickup and delivery, just, just some different avenues to be there to support those guys that the trucks are getting more and more complicated. The, the days of having, that that fireman who's maybe a mechanic or, or a retired mechanic or whatever it may be who works on buses or trash trucks whatever it's just more difficult and having our evt certified guys and having having guys at a fire service dealership whether it's sentinel or whatever but but when you're specking a truck whenever you're looking to buy i think it's key that, that you check out service i think it's key that you go visit their service center i think it's key that you ask how long it's going to take for you to get here all those pieces matter because when your truck is out of out of service, it's a it's a huge event. We we had a a situation four hours from here. Uh, department went newer truck had some guys go out there and look at it. Oh, the truck's out of service. It's a disaster. You'll never be able to use it. Blah 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 blah. And we send our guy out there. Well, the cable came loose off the manual pump shift override. I mean, it was nothing. We disconnect the cable. Trucks in service within 15 minutes. So there's the, the trucks are more difficult and having fire truck people work on them are huge. And, and, you know, everybody would like to say, well, if you buy a Rosenbauer, take it back to Rosenbauer dealer or Pierce dealer or whatever. The reality is that if you have a, a good fire truck service center around you, they should be able to help you out. That's the key. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you so much. Uh, hang around a little bit once we're done here, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on the gospel today and talking about your passion here with Sentinel and rescue engines and, you know, a couple extra things as well. So thank I love you it, so brother. much. I'll come back and talk fire trucks anytime with you. Awesome. This is Rob, National Fire Radio with the Gospel, with Brian, owner and president of Sentinel Emergency Solutions. We'll see you guys out there. The foundation is in memory of Lieutenant Joseph 
P.D. Bernardo. Um, Joey was my best friend, and he was one of the people that just pushed me forward and made me want to be a New York City firefighter. The purpose of the foundation is to provide every firefighter in America who can't afford his own personal safety system, will buy it for them. It's, it's extremely important to, to give back and remember the legacy of Joey. Um, he, he lost his life and he's not forgotten. We're gonna remember him forever. And we're gonna do that through supporting the, uh, the foundation and all the training that it does. The foundation tries to raise money through donations and also the seminar. The seminar is our big uh, fundraiser for the year. Um, we have uh, almost 300 firefighters here today uh, training at the Suffolk County Fire Academy. So incredibly grateful to be here this weekend at the Joey DiBernardo Training Weekend. Uh, the Memorial Fund has been incredible over the years uh, of what they've been doing in Joey D's legacy uh, is, is mission driven and paying it forward. It's firefighter protection. And the incredible thing about that is that it's done through a training weekend. Um, bringing you know, all these instructors together and firefighters that come in from all over the country to be a part of this weekend really is all about sharing in the legacy of Joey DiBernardo. Well, the main thing about the foundation is we get to pay homage to our friend, brother, firefighter, and instructor, Joey D. And it's just top-notch instructors from all around the country coming in and are offering their sense of street smarts to firefighters from also all around the country. Uh, you, you have everybody volunteering their time, which is great. And again, we want to pay homage to our friend and our brother, Joey, and we teach from the heart. That's the best. There's all kinds of training. There's training on uh, search, there's training on rescue, there's training on um, hose handling, there's training on moving a down fireman. I saw some training being done on giving a down fireman CPR, which I thought was unbelievable. What a, what a great idea. Something I never saw in my career, and I think this is a great idea. There are so many different evolutions going on here, and there's so much going on. It's a great, great seminar. 100% of the proceeds are donated back to fire departments in need. And then the training level that they present is just untouchable. The training that goes on today will save someone's life. With, with the foundation giving the PSSs to all the fire departments and all the grants and all the good work that they've done, they're saving lives directly and indirectly. And everybody that's gone through this training uh, over the past couple days that's being filtered back to their firehouses and to their fire departments and it's our hope that they continue to save lives indirectly or, or directly. We're pushing guys to the limit with what I feel is like some of the best instructors in the country. So you have the whole world encompassed in this. It's a great, great, great training venue. They're giving back to try to save lives. So we, we don't lose anyone else like we, we lost on Black Sunday. So right now, Joey's probably saying, so even though I'm not here, I'm still saving lives. That's what he'd say.